Well, we're back to our Steps to Christ series where we're focusing on specific essential practices that help us grow in grace and become more like Jesus. We talked last week, or two weeks ago actually, about the, the transforming power that is part of serving in Jesus' name. And we also have talked about being remade through the Word of God and the Word's power and movement in us to shape us in, in God's image. And today we're going to explore another essential element of God's plan to remake us and form us and shape us in His image. And that's prayer. Prayer is an essential of coming to God and becoming more like Him, walking in His steps and being transformed in His likeness. Let's pray together as we start this study on prayer. Father in heaven, we're asking that you would take us now, speak to us through your spirit. You've already been using song and word and prayer and, and story. And now we ask that you would take this moment, take my lips, my heart, be with each person as they hear and listen. May we be molded, shaped, and formed in your image. By your strength and power, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several weeks ago here at Village Church, I introduced you to a, a wonderful young lady who spent a number of years serving refugees. First of all, she served at a Syrian refugee camp for a summer. Then she spent the next year supporting them with her rent money that she saved by living in people's homes as she taught in a school over on the west side of the state of Washington. Then a couple of summers after that, she traveled to a, a Afghan refugee camp in Greece and served there for a summer. But then while there, noticed the, the crying need of the people in South America, the Venezuelans who were um, fleeing their country into Colombia and the, the need there. So she bought a one-way ticket, flew to uh, to um, Colombia and began a NGO to help the plight of these Venezuelans who were escaping their country into Colombia. Now, the long short of it is that Bethany established this NGO and helped these people for a number of months. But then in March, because of the COVID-19 virus, she had to leave and come back home. Her story when I, I knew of her, I've, I've known Bethany since she was born, uh, but her, her efforts uh, just really struck a chord in my heart. And especially that happened when I asked her why. Why do you do this, Bethany? Why would you go to such lengths? Why this extreme effort in giving and helping and serving? Why such personal compassion? And she responded, as you recall in that interview, that the plight of refugees today, she sees it as the humanitarian crisis of our time. And she said, during the Second World War, who wouldn't have helped the Jews? During the, the, the horrible period of slavery in the United States, who wouldn't have helped the slaves? So she felt the call of God. Who wouldn't help these refugees at this time? Her faith in God moved her to do something, to help these people in crisis. As she served this way in 
Colombia helping the Venezuelans fleeing their country. She was asked a number of times, and the other times when she also served in refugee camps, she was, you know, current, uh, asked by friends and neighbors with the repeated refrain, be safe, be safe, are you safe? And Bethany, as you heard her talk, she wasn't being presumptuous, she wasn't, wasn't being reckless, but she believed that the call of God was for her at this time to go and help. And the call of God, she said, as you heard her say, is never to be safe. That's not what God calls us to, is to be safe. He calls us to serve. And that kind of service may not be for you and me, but God does still call us to serve, and his calling is not to be safe. You remember that in the interview I told her she ought to write a book, and she was ready for that because she's thought of, she already has a title, although she hasn't started the book. She has lots in her blog, but she has a title, and the title is Outside of Safe. Outside of Safe. That title challenged me when she said it, and it's particularly challenged me this week as I thought about the subject of our study together. If I were to ask you right now, in the comfort of your home, how many of you pray? I'm sure that every one of you are shaking your head up and down. Yes, yes, I pray. Yes, we pray. I'm sure that not a one of you is saying no because prayer is an essential component of being a, a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. I pray, but if you scrutinized my prayer experience and if you compared my prayer experience with the recorded prayers in God's Word and the story of the, 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 the people of God throughout time, throughout history who have prayed, and you compared my prayers with those, you'd probably say, Jeff, your prayers are safe. <laughs> Regular, yes. Predictable, yes. Safe, yes. What if my prayers, what if your prayers were outside of safe? <laughs> outside of safe. Now, I'm not talking about being presumptuous in prayer. I'm not talking about prayers that take us outside of the boundary of God's will and God's direction. That's not the kind of prayers I'm talking about. I'm not talking about ridiculous, impossible to answer kind of prayers. I'm not talking about prayers that, that pit my side against your side. No, that's not the kind of prayers I'm talking about. I'm thinking of prayers that are generated by a singular assurance of God's love. I'm talking about prayers that are lifted up from humble hearts of believers who know that, that God is eager and willing and powerful to answer prayer. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about Bible-aligned prayers. I'm talking about prayers that are believer-affirmed and firmly founded in the infinite love of God. I'm talking about prayers that God wants to answer in ways that are even beyond what we can think or imagine. I'm thinking about bold prayers. I'm thinking about prayers that unlock heaven's storehouse and open to us the boundless riches of God's omnipotence 
That's the kind of prayers I'm thinking about. I'm talking about the kind of prayers that move us from the lowlands of earth, from the life of the mere human perspective of COVID-19 challenges. I'm talking about prayer that moves us beyond the stay-at-home limitation, the, the crashing economy of our resources being stretched to a place where our heavenly intercessor now rules and reigns and has all the resources of the universe at disposal for us. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that looks beyond my continual wanting, my continual asking, to a prayer that asks God, what do you want? What do you want for me? I'm thinking about bold prayers. I'm, talk, I'm thinking about prayers that go beyond safe, that take us deeply into the will of God, God's foundational will, and lays upon Him and His power to do more than safe and to be bold, bold for Him. Now, I'm not talking about loud, long, fancy prayers. You know, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those kind. I'm, I'm talking about simple, authentic, heartfelt. Now, simple is not safe. Simple means it's a kind of prayer like Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just a short time before he gave himself up for us on the cross, his prayer in, that, in the garden, knowing, knowing what was ahead of him, knowing what was in store for him, Jesus asked God, is there no way forward but this way? He asked God if there was any other way at all. Then Jesus, and I'm talking about Jesus, not Peter, not John, not James, not one of the disciples, but Jesus himself, the Son of God. Jesus prayed a bold beyond the bounds of safe prayer when he said, yet not what my will, but your will be done. That is a bold prayer. That's not a safe prayer. Not at all. Jesus, you know, he never asks us to do anything that he himself isn't willing to do. He calls us to a life in his steps, to following in his footsteps, to a life of faith, a life of hope, a life of meaning and joy, not in the lowlands of safer, easier, more accommodating, more comfortable. Jesus asks us to risk loving others more than we love ourselves. Jesus asks us that instead of indulging in our own daily desires he calls us to deny those for something eternal jesus calls us that instead of living for what we want he invites us to pick up our cross and follow him and his example i don't want to settle for simply safe prayers prayers for my food prayers for my comfort, 
prayers for my safety. Yeah, those are, those are important, but I don't, I don't want to settle for that. I want to pray faith-filled, God-filled, God-honoring, life-changing, world-transforming prayers. I want, I want to have a sacred communication between me and God that connects me with with the mind of the infinite, with the God of the universe who listens and, and cares for me. I love these words. Nothing is too great for him to bear, for he holds up worlds. He rules over all the affairs of the universe. Nothing that is in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. There's no chapter in our experience too dark for him to read. There's no perplexity too difficult for him to unravel. No calamity can befall the least of his children. No anxiety harass the soul. No joy cheer, no sincere prayer escape the lips of which our Heavenly Father is unobservant or in which he takes no immediate interest. Isn't that something? goes on, the relations between God and each soul are as distinct and full as though there were not another soul upon the earth to share his watch care, not another soul for whom he gave his beloved son. Does God care for you? He does. He cares about all those things that you carry around in your heart that maybe no one knows about and maybe even you don't fully understand or know about. God wants to hear your, your prayers. God wants to hear from you and speak to you through his word to mold and shape and guide and direct you. The Bible says that we can come boldly, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to hold back. We don't have to approach timidly. We can come to him with confidence and assurance and boldness. And when we pray this way, we are assured, as it goes on to say in Hebrews 4, verse 16, that we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help when we need it most. Do you need grace? Do you need help? Do you need strength in your relationships? Do you need mercy for the secret things that that you struggle with? Do you need help through your day? Pray. Pray. But rather than just talk about prayer today with you, I'd rather pray with you a prayer that David prayed and then invite you to make that your own prayer. So let's do that together. And if you have your Bible, you can take it out and open it up because we're going to be staying right in one of David's prayers, Psalm 139. And it's my hope that you can take this prayer, you can repeat it, his prayer, in your own words, if you wish, but make it your prayer, lift it up, that prayer to God in heaven, and let the word of God, the prayer of David, sink into your bones as your very own. And that one prayer that we'll pray today can be a means to stretch, to challenge, and to hold you accountable as God's follower. 
maybe better than we can, well, for sure, better than we can do ourselves. Here's what he says. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's just the end of the psalm. But in this last verses, these last verses of submission, if, if I will have the courage to pray it, the courage to live it, the courage to let God work in me the way that he would, that God would convict me, that God would correct me, that God would redirect me, it'll change the way I see myself. It'll change the way I see others. It'll change the way I see God. So there are four steps or four parts of this prayer as I, as I see it here, verses 23 and 24. The first one is, it says, God, search my heart. Search my heart. Know my heart. You might say, well, you know, God already knows my heart, and he does know your heart. I mean, he's omniscient. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives, even be, before you have them. So my quest, our quest together in this prayer, in David's prayer, is not that God might know me, not that he might know you, since he already does, but that I might know him more perfectly, understand him more earnestly. My quest is to know him. I love the way the book Steps to Christ says it. Prayer does not bring God down to us. It brings us up to God. As we experience God in prayer, we are lifted up. We come to a truer experience of ourselves, our true selves, as God sees us, as we truly are. And the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is, as David says here, that I'm not really as good as I think I am. My heart is sinful. I am deceptive. I am self-protecting. I am self-centered at the core. And I'm unable and most of the time even unwilling to see my own faults and failings. Now, I may not, you know, that's just part of my, my sinful nature. Jeremiah said it this way, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can really know how bad he is? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. I'd like to think, we'd all like to think that we're good at heart. But the truth of the matter is that our hearts deceive us. At my core, I'm all about me. Not about you. Not about God. Not about us. I'm obsessed, really, at heart and soul with me. What I want. Not what God wants. Even though I have good thoughts, even those good thoughts are oftentimes laced with decrepit, putrid stuff, if I really knew it. And that's why I need, that's why you need, that's why we all need Christ to transform us, to redirect us, to make us new. Now think of, just for a moment, of David's life. 
Think of his life. He's the one who prayed this prayer. I'm certain, although I've never, uh, we, we, of course, never had the opportunity to, to talk with him about this, but I'm sure that he, he justified his actions. He excused his neglectful ways. He pacified things that he knew were wrong. Yet, yet he was a man after God's own heart. That's what it says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. And because he's a man after God's own heart, that's why he prayed this prayer. Because he wanted to be after God's heart. And so he said, search me, God. Search me, God. Know my heart. Because David knew his tendencies. David knew his heart. And he knew how easy it was to declare a nearness to God, but to really have a heart that's far from God. David knew that. Just like Isaiah testified, Isaiah 29, 13, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Which is why this prayer, I believe, moves us from the lowlands of life here on earth, consumed with all of our needs, and there are a lot, but it moves us from the lowlands closer closer to the flame, closer to God, closer to what he has for us. So the next phrase takes the next step in David's prayer, and it's a yearning to understand his fears. He says, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Now, I'll never know, we'll never know, those anxious thoughts that were running through David's mind at the time that he prayed this prayer, wrote this prayer. But it's clear from here, from Scripture, that he had some anxious thoughts. He had some troubling thoughts. He was concerned about something. Maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking, maybe he was concerned about his safety. He was, seems like a number of times in his life people were after him. Seems like he was always harassed by someone, something, even from his own family members. It may be that he was distraught about his future. There were times in David's life when that was certainly a challenge. It may have been his leadership that he was concerned about as king. It may have been who would succeed him as king. Whatever it was, David wanted to share that with God. And he wanted to know and understand his fears. He said, know my anxious thoughts. He wanted to face his fears. He wanted to to give his fears a name. And he wanted to trust that God was bigger than his fears. So he brought them to God. You might ask, why should I do this? Why ask God to help me identify my fears? Well, David knew what we need to know, and that is that what we fear most is what we trust God for least. That's what fear is. And I'd have to say, that's important to know. I want to ask you, friend, here in this time, unprecedented challenge, COVID-19 challenge, what are your fears? Maybe it's the fear of that, this disease. Maybe it's your fear of unemployment. Maybe it's your fears of financial loss. 
Maybe it's the fear of lack of resources to, to meet your bills. Maybe it's, maybe it's fear of losing friends, fear of losing family, losing your job. Some of you may be even fearing losing your marriage right now. What worries clutter your mind? What do you ruminate over? What are you planning for, for every contingency and adjusting for control? What fears are running through your mind? What fears are you withholding from God? Be like David. Ask him, Lord, my anxieties, I bring them to you. Maybe it's fear of failing. Maybe it's fear of not being enough, not doing what needs to be done. Fears. Fears are times when we don't rely on God to do what he promises to do. Fear says, essentially, God, I don't trust you. That's fear. The truth is, there's not a one of us here, there's not a one of us listening that is adequate to meet our fears. Not a one of us. And we will never be enough. And that's fine. Because our want, our need, our challenge gives God the chance to be who he is for us. What he wants to be. I love the way Paul confessed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. When beset by his own fears, his own weakness, his own need, Paul pled with God pled with him for deliverance and God answered him in a perspective changing way he said to Paul Paul my grace is sufficient for you in this time of need in this time of fear and and challenge my grace is sufficient for you my power because my power God said is made perfect in weakness when we come to God in weakness and receive his power to carry through in our lives, we learn something. We learn something of God's grace, of God's mercy, of his power and strength and sustaining love. We learn what Paul said in another book, the book of Philippians, that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. That's what we learn when we bring our fears to God. When we face them, face those fears with with God's strength, we experience his conquering power. And we're freed to fulfill his will for us, his will for our lives, and lean into his purpose. The Bible reveals that there's a liar on the loose. Jesus said it himself. He called the devil a liar and the father of lies. And that liar is trying to influence us with lies, lies about ourselves, lies about our fears, our fears of failing, our fears of our anxieties, our social inadequacies, our, our financial inadequacies, being unacceptable, unloving, all those fears that the devil is just pushing on us. And burdened with these fears, burdened with Satan's lies, we distance ourselves from what God wants us to be, what he wants us to do, what he calls us to do, what he's created us to do. So I challenge you, ask God, ask God, bring your fears to God. Ask him to help you identify your fears and then 
Step into the strength that he has for you. His strength to conquer that fear. Let him propel you forward by faith, believing in his promises. Remind yourself, remind yourself that you love pleasing God much more than your fears and inadequacies and loneliness and failure. You want to please God much, much more than those loathsome things. And as God reveals your anxieties, as he reveals your fears, he's going to build your faith. He's going to build your strength. His spirit will guide you. you. He will empower you by his strength. And faith, faith won't fail. And faith doesn't mean that you're never frightened. Not at all. Faith just means you don't let fear stop you. David's prayer included another step. We've talked about being honest with God about who we are, about our moral and spiritual failure. We've talked about leaning into anxieties and fears. Now this man after God's own heart brings another issue to God. He's made some huge mistakes. He's sinned big and is paying great personal taxes for it which is probably behind the third, this third part of his prayer where he says, first search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my thoughts, then this, see if there's any offensive way in me. Show me, God. Show me, that's what he's saying. Show me what's contrary to your will. Show me anything that hurts your heart. This is hard. This is hard for me for us as human beings, because we are masters at rationalizing wrong actions to right. I'm really good. I'm really good at seeing your lack. But you know, when I look at my own lack, I have a perfectly good explanation for that, which is really what Jesus was talking about when he warned that I can... point out the speck in your eye all the while I have a log in my own so you might ask how do I find out how do I hear from God what ways what part of me are offensive to him like David asks is there any offensive way in me how do how do I find this out what do I ask God well how about this first of all as you read his word as you pray this prayer ask him to give you an open and honest heart. Ask him to to make you open to his word and to bring to your attention ways in your life, habits in your life, actions and attitudes that are contrary to his word. Let his word bring life and light to your soul. Before you read, before your quiet time, before you pray this prayer, ask him, God, Show me my offenses. Show me those ways that are against your will. And then read, believing. Say those words of his prayer, believing and listening that he will tell you, and he will. There's a second way, too, that we can understand what ways are offensive to him. And that is to think about what's going on in your life, the interactions that you're having with other people. Is there an area in your life, are there habits, are there relationships, are there actions that have created irritations 
friction with you and important people in your life that are godly and love you? Are there ways that, that, that are challenging that way? Have loved ones, have people who love you, shared with you things that, that are concerning about you and asked you if you need some help? Maybe some have suggested to you, I don't know, but maybe some have said, you're spending too much time on social media. I don't know, maybe some have said to you, they're concerned about how disengaged and how you're missing out by all this time you're spending there. Maybe some have suggested that you have a problem with medication, pain medication maybe even. Maybe some have said to you, you have a problem with going to food and medicating with food. Maybe you have a problem with always going to the wrong kind of person and striking up a relationship with those that hurt. Maybe, maybe that's happening for you. The book of Proverbs says, Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Maybe it's time, friend. Maybe it's time to pause and listen. God may be speaking to you through those who love you most. Another indicator of maybe an offensive way, trying to figure out what is offensive to God, may be found by just looking over, not relationships and counsel that way, but maybe circumstances in your own life. What's happening? What issues are you dealing with that may be God's gracious warning signals? Let the Spirit of God bring those to your attention. What's happening? You know, the problem is, of course, like we've said, I'm really good at rationalizing. I'm really good at excusing my offensive ways. My deceptive heart can deceive me into ignoring my own sin. And when I'm really defensive about something, when I really get upset, when I really push back, maybe that's a sign that I need to be wise. I need to be listening. That may be a signal that it's time to press pause and heed God's warning. Are you ready, friend? Are you ready to step away from the lowlands into a deeper walk with God through prayer? Are you ready? Are you ready to pray? To pray this prayer? Search me, God. Reveal my anxious thoughts, my fears that hinder your work in me and through me. See if there's any offensive way in me, God. And then finally, lead me in the way everlasting. You know, every phrase of this prayer is important. Every phrase God is calling out to us. But it's really incomplete unless we finish it with that last part, which says, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in your way, God. I don't want God to show me a way that 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 is inconsistent that I'm in uh, I want I'm sorry I want God to show me the ways that I am inconsistent with his will I want to know more than just anxious thoughts I want God to deal directly with me I want God to guide me 
to be and do who he wants me to be and to lead me in the everlasting way. I love this thought from Steps to Christ. God is too wise to err, too good to withhold anything good from them that walk uprightly. That's true. So when you pray, friend, pause, listen. You may have no remarkable evidence that something's happening as you listen, that God is listening as you pray. You may have nothing remarkable, nothing happens in you, or you have no chills or anything like that, but you can know that bending down over you is a God who is compassionate, caring, and loving, and wants the best for you. Tell him, tell him, lead me, God. I want your way. I want your will to be done. I want your glory in my life. Make this your, your soul cleansing, your heart mending, your eternity altering prayer. Would you, friend? Say, search me, God. Show me who I really, really am. Not who I want others to see me as. My outside can seem all honor and still be far from you. So, so search my heart, God. And know my anxious thoughts. Know my paralyzing fears. My fears of not measuring them up, of not having what it takes, all these fears. And help me understand those fears, God. And help me to confront those fears with your power and experience the purpose and meaning that you have for me in life. And God, see if there is any offensive way in me. I'm obsessed with what others think. I'm defensive. I'm critical. I'm judgmental. I'm self-centered. God, cleanse me. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then lead me in your way, everlasting God. Your life-altering, spirit-filled way. Make me different, God. Make me different. Make me like you, God. That's what this prayer is saying. Strong, confident in your love, in your calling. Friend, whenever you're weak, his strength is there. Whenever you're hurting, his comfort is available. Whenever you're tempted, his grace will give you a way out. Let your fears drive you to him and to his courage in him and through him. If you battle with lust, let God's word renew you and strengthen you. If you battle with pride, humble yourself before God and let him do his work in you and lift you up. If you are hiding secret sins, ask for his forgiveness. Confess your sin to, to God and abide and, and seek um, healing in, in, in the confident assurance of a friend, a trusted friend. Ask God to show you truth. He'll set you free. Are you tired of boring, safe, sterile prayers? Are you tired of living safe? Are you stuck in a spiritual rut? Is your faith flat and your passion low, but you're hungry for more? Would you pray this prayer? 
You can remember it. It's right in Scripture. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Pray it every day this week, would you? Pray it with me. And be bold in faith, bold in courage, bold in the confidence that God gives, and bold in the restoration that he brings into our life by his strength and power. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, take our hearts, make them yours. Use us, Lord, for your glory and honor. Move in us, show us, show us ways that we can serve you more completely. Identify to us, Lord, ways that are inconsistent with your will and strengthen us to follow in your footsteps even through this challenging time. And we will give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.